Algar Productions. Algar Productions. Cooter and the Bear. Cooter and the Bear. Cooter and the Bear. Hey, Al, are you in here? It's Bob. I wanted to talk to you about this Cooter and the Bear thing. Cooter and the Bear. Oh, it's you. Hello, I'm George Lowe. Yeah, I know who you are, Mr. Lowe. I'm, I'm surprised to see you here is all. I didn't think he could afford to use you more than that one time a couple of years ago. Al, correct? Right, Al. Uh, you don't happen to know where he is, do you? Hmm, that's a good question. And I don't suppose you know anything about this Cooter and the Bear sketch. Are you kidding? Yeah, I, I didn't think so. Uh, I wonder if he's off playing with his puppets. Ooh, like the Thunderbirds? No, I think those were marionettes. These are more like hand puppets. They didn't move naturally, the Thunderbirds. Their movements were not fluid. <laughs> that is definitely an accurate observation about the Thunderbirds. You know, I actually met Cooter once. I'm sorry? <laughs> and it was it was pretty hysterical. You, uh, you do know that Cooter and the Bear are fictional characters, right? They were the hosts of a morning zoo show until recently when they were fired. Yeah, I've, I've had a weird, a weird history with that show. So, wait, do they bring you up here to do the same opening announcement for each episode? Oh, balls. What? I should get on microphone, shouldn't I? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess. Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Nah, no worries. It's been that kind of a day. I'd better get cracking. Okay. Sure. Uh, hey, maybe if you're not busy later, we could hang out or something? Superb. Cool. So long, George. Robotham. Robotham. Robo-robo-robotham. Robotham. Robotham. Remember that book, I, Robotham? What a great guy. This is the Sarcastic Voyage Podcast. Featuring the Sarcastic Voyage unpaid voice acting players. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. As soon as Charlie Cox took off his shirt... I'm really impressed by how they've drawn so extensively from the old Frank Miller stuff, but also from the Bendis and Malib material from the early aughts. I mean, there's really so much more to it than shirtless men. Wait, which one's Charlie Cox? He's actually Daredevil. Oh, yeah, that guy's hot. Oh, right. This again. Wasn't that one of our catchphrases a long time ago? There was no a long time ago, Matt. Sarcastic Voyage started at episode 150. How does that work? I threw the rest of them down a time hole. Hi, yes, hello. Go away, we're talking about Daredevil. I mean, look, there's a lot to like about that show, but Wilson Fisk... I know, he's so weird. Like, he's bad, but he's also kind of awkward, and I, I love it. Like, there's, de there's definitely a villain character that I've never seen before. And that bit with the hammer. They're still here. Well, in fairness, you do literally spend every waking moment of your life trying to get them here. Yeah, I'm bored with that now. They don't seem to be leaving. All right, then. I can fix this. <clears throat> So, can you believe they killed off- Wow, what is that noise? That's the spoiler alert. Do you think that was just an expression? And the internet's weird. Yeah, but it's where we're from. So anyway, I wasn't crazy about the ninjas. And now, the adventures of Nick and Willikins. Last time, Nick confirmed the existence and whereabouts of his family. By asking me. On the one hand, that doesn't make sense even by Nick and Willikin standards. 
On the other, well, it's nice to be included. Also, Willikins had his arm surgically replaced with another perfectly functional arm. That was all less interesting than we thought it would be, so it happened off-camera. We join our heroes as they return to Nick's ancestral home. He's here! He's here! Master Nick is here! Oh, goodness me! He's here! Raise the drawbridge. Well, here we are. My ancestral home. Apparently. Willikins, who are all these people scurrying about and refusing to make eye contact with me? Hello? My, my eyes are up here. Willikins, where are my eyes? Those are your family's servants, sir. Footmen, valets, chauffeurs, and the like. But they're all so... subservient! You can't treat human beings like this. They should be respected. Treated as equals. <coughs> That's a rather nasty crap you seem to have caught, Willikins. Is that a kennel cough? That's the last time I cram you into a tiny cage with all the other dogs. Would that it were, sir. Anyway, I don't think I didn't detect what you were doing there. Well, I'm English, Willikins. We invented irony. Indeed, sir. Would you be so kind as to present me with an example of something you think is ironic? What about that time I sold your hair to buy myself a new watch fob? Got it in one, sir. Ah, who's this now? Welcome home, Master Nick. Ooh, Master Nick. I like the sound of that. Willikins, why don't you call me that? I do when you let me get a word in, Ed. Never mind that! I'm talking to this nice, smart fellow now. What's your name, nice, smart fellow? Wickersham, sir. I shall announce your arrival at once. And I suppose your man will be coming with you. What, Willikins? I expect he will be. If I don't make him follow me, he'll just sulk here on the stoop like some kind of Billy No-Mates. Actually, sir, I'd just as soon remain behind while you speak with his lordship. <laughs> behind? I'll just bet you prefer that. Nonsense! I'll put considerable effort into teaching you tricks, and I expect that will be the first of many things that my father should be proud of me for. Well, if there's one thing English fathers are known for, it's not withholding pride in their sons. Hmm. It would appear that Master Nick is more tolerant of abuse from his servants than his lordship is. I'm nothing if not tolerant. Aren't I always saying that, Willikins? Now, don't answer. I've no interest in whatever rubbish you have to say to that. This way, sir. Nick Hall look positively Lilliputian! Sir, this is Nick Hall. It's just a part of the estate that you have... Did you say Lilliputian? I did. It's from Gulliver's Travels, Willikins. How could you be English and not know something so quintessentially... Master Nick and... Company, sir. So which is it? A thousand million or a million thousand? Yes? And what's that in old money? Uh, listen, I don't bloody care if they want to be paid in gold Krugerrands. Get the boffins on it and we'll... Uh, hold on. Yes, thank you, Wickersham. That'll be all. I'll call you back, Nigel. Cheers. Father? Well, it's about bloody time you showed up, boy. I see you've brought that with you. What, Willikins? Ah, he's not so bad once you get past all the rubbish on the surface. And just below the surface. And then six or eight, twelve levels below the surface of that. Don't tell him I said something nice about him. Standing right here, sir. Not so bad if you like nonces. 
No. What now? Surely you knew he was bent. I always feared this day would come. I don't follow. He's a poof lad. And the ever-deepening well of my shame breaks new ground. What's one of those, then? He snogs and roots with men. He's on the pool. This man, if you can even call him that, is gay. And there it is. Gay? Willikins? You never told me you was gay! I'm shocked! I'm outraged! I'm not actually sure what gay is! Why am I supposed to be mad about that? Nope. I'm not touching that one. Hypochondriasis is a serious, potentially crippling condition that affects millions of Americans each year. Cases of hypochondriasis have been steadily increasing since widespread use of the internet began in the mid-1990s, yet medical science has almost universally chosen to dismiss these cases out of hand. Fortunately, there's now a simple and effective treatment. Introducing Placebonin, a simple, crystalline sucrose compound proven to relieve all known symptoms of hypochondriasis, even the ones your doctors won't tell you about. Just 60 tablets a day, and you'll be on your way to a brighter tomorrow. You know what? Make it 90. Better still, let's just go with an even 100. How does it work? It's probably best not to ask. Just ask your pharmacist for Placebonin today. Don't be confused. You may actually find it in the candy aisle. But trust us, it's medicine. No ethical company would charge that much for candy. Side effects may include abnormal dreams, abnormal vision, abdominal pain, abominable pain, acid stomach, acid reflux, acid rain, chocolate rain, belching, bleeding, blistering, bloating, blurring, burning, chills, spills, thrills, confusion, congestion, constipation, dark urine, dark urine 2, rise of the black pea, decreased awareness, hyper-awareness, meta-awareness, omniscience, dry mouth, wet mouth, mush mouth, the vapors, the bends, feline leukemia, Pac-Man fever, Sluggishness, snailishness, hives, honeycombs, lack of pupils, commonly known as Barney Rubble's disease, runny nose, tummy ache, cardiac arrest, occasional sneezing, tooth ulcers, mouth rickets, and unusual milk production. Don't ask your doctor if placebonin is right for you. In fact, don't ask your doctor anything. He doesn't know. Consult your diagnostic website of preference, and then tell your doctor that you're taking placebonin. From Northbrook Quantum Care, a division of Corpco International. Sarcastic Voyage has embarked on a modest undertaking to chronicle the entirety of human history in sketch form. Join us as we uncover the mysteries of the past in our ongoing feature which we call History. It's not as good as it used to be. In 1589, Peter Strump a citizen of Cologne in what was then known as the Holy Roman Empire, was put on trial. Among the charges leveled against him were incest, cannibalism, serial murder, and lycanthropy. History would remember Strump as the werewolf of Bedburg. I hereby call this trial to order. Peter Stump, step forward. Mr. Stump, step forward. Vasa, that's you. Oh, all right, all right. With respect, Your Honor, my name is not Stump. They just started calling me that after they cut off my hand. <laughs> why, why is it like... Oh, 
Stump! Because I don't have a hand, I get it! Oh, that's very good! <laughs> Sir, you are aware of the charges brought against you. Yeah, I was listening to the opening narration. You're awfully cavalier for someone in your position. The body count for which you are being held responsible is positively abhorrent. Children, pregnant women, sheep. Really? That's where you people decide to gasp? What do you have to say for yourself, sir? I think it's time to tell them, father. Why, tell them what, my dear daughter? Tighten the rack. Ow, 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 ow. All right, all right, fine. It was a lovely spring day in 1564, and I was tending to my prize-winning cabbage fields. Working on a sex farm, trying to raise some hard love, getting out my pitchfork, poking your hay. Peter Stump! Stump, don't you tell me to stump. Oh, sorry, sir. What is Satan, is right? I am known by many names. Oh, so am I, apparently. Silence! I have brought for you this magic belt, which will transform you into a greedy, devouring creature. Strong and mighty, with eyes great and large, which in the night sparkle like fire. A mouth great and wide, with most sharp and cruel teeth, a huge body and mighty paws. So you've invented professional wrestling? Do you want the belt or not? It doesn't even match my shoes, honey. Uh, seriously? What is this, the Dark Ages? Uh, well, actually... Enough! You will take the belt. You will terrorize the countryside, showing fear, mistrust, and chaos in the population of Bedburg. But I'm already a Vensila donor. Eh? Eh? Political humor? Oh, God, you... You're just the worst, you know that? I'm, I'm out of here, and I've got John Calvin's soul to claim. Oh, don't go! It will be night soon. Don't you want to dance in the pale moonlight with me? <laughs> and that's how it all happened. Scout's on, huh? I'd make a Boy Scout salute here, but I'm a bit tied up at the moment. This is usually where they'd laugh. As a good Catholic, I was raised to despise evil. To reject Lucifer and all of his foul temptations. And yet, somehow, you've managed to make me feel sympathy for the devil. Hoo-hoo! Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. I've heard enough. I hereby order you to be put to death. All because I'm a werewolf. A what now? No, 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 not a what now, a werewolf. You shall be tied to a wagon wheel where red-hot pinchers strip the flesh from your body. You will then have your limbs smashed with an iron cudgel, and finally you will be beheaded. Well, 
That all sounds fair. Firm, but fair. Uh, you know what? Kill his doctor, too. What? What did I do? Oh, nothing. I just can't kill him twice, so... Uh, to hell with all of you! It appears that his daughter was the werewolf all along. Should we go after her? I go before her, but after her? That was a stunning performance. Not sure how you could possibly go after that. Nah, let's just kill him, like I said. Hordak! Hordak! I can't do this anymore! What do you want? It's all fallen apart! I suppose you haven't called me here to tell me that you finally defeated He-Man! He-Man! Or an apology for missing my birthday. Alright, alright. What's wrong? Everything! My marriage with Evil Lynn has crumbled into dust! My astounding army of atrocious allies were all deserted me because they realized that none of my plans were going anywhere! And you made a stupid, stupid sister to fall my plans once again! So, a regular Thursday then, yeah? <laughs> so, you're coming to me because you want some fresh blood? People who don't know your record of incompetence? Uh, uh, how could I be villainous without a large amount of depraved reprobates at my side? I have no baleful buds, no fiendish friends! I have just the thing! Quiet! It's Skeletor! Skeletor! Me? This place is different. Much flatter than I remember Eternia being. But I suppose I haven't been here in a while. What are you talking about? I've been battling on Earth. Earth? The human planet. The one with the best deals on cars. You've been there too? I've been almost everywhere that a Honda can drive. Which is a lot of places. Ah, you two are going to help me defeat He-Man once and for all. I always found the most successful way to destroy He-Man was to become his friend and secretly destroy him from the inside. Emotionally. Every now and then I post passive-aggressive comments on his Facebook wall. Shut your capitalist gob, car salesman. No one cares for your corporate references of the Facebook or the Honda SUV. Haha, <laughs> I never said SUV. But now I've got you thinking about their amazing deals. <laughs> Enough! Tony hasn't even discovered the wheel yet. At least I'm doing something with my life, you nitwit. You're the nitwit, you halfwit. This is all going well. I'm gonna go have a schwitz. Make sure you guys close this portal, all right? What kind of incompetent boob do you take me for? Okay, your funeral. What's going on on this side? Oh, hello, comic book Skeletor. How? Boom! Comics aren't just for kids anymore. Hey, are you guys talking about how much He-Man sucks? Yes! Sarcastic Voyage Skeletor! Has anyone seen Dan Aykroyd? Isn't your dad canonically Michael Emerson from Lost? Can someone help me put up these 
Lost Panther posters. I'm Gritty Reimagined Skeletor from 2002, motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm early 90s Skeletor. Sorry about this. I'm not from any particular time. I'm Speaks Unnaturally Loud Skeletor. Where I come from, everyone sounds like this. Ow, my ears! Skeletor. It's my visitation weekend with Beastman! Oh shit, it's my ex. Everybody hide! Be cool. Skeletor? Surprise! Happy birthday! God damn it, 90s Skeletor! Why are you so terrible? Sorry. The deal. He's the deal. Here comes the deal. I'm lost. <laughs> what? Are you? Well, some, they used to call him the deal, and then they started calling him John Thomas. Oh! Which, which is, is slang for, for your, your deal. deal. <laughs> <laughs> Days passed. Seasons changed. And Bob's friendship with George Lowe grew stronger and stronger. think we should have put that bucket of Maryland blue crabs over Al's door? Yep. I mean, he's going to smell like Old Bay for weeks. <laughs> and it was it was pretty hysterical. <laughs> oh no, I'm Al and I'm covered in crabs. <laughs> uh, in fairness, it, it would be pretty terrible to have crabs crawling all over you. Then you got to get the, that cream in one of those combs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, have you tried these nachos? They're amazing. No, but I have finished these buffalo wings, and they were delicious. Man, I really love Tron. I wish every movie was Tron. You know what I like is This Island Earth, because Russell Johnson blows up. Is that the one with Leslie Nielsen and Robbie the Robot? Yeah, yeah. Danger, danger, fool. <laughs> Push me higher, George. Let me, let me do that one more time. Whee! Years ago, I had Hal Smith, uh -huh. uh, Howard Dobson, uh -huh. and uh, George Goober Lindsay, all three on the radio with me. Wow. And uh, George Lindsay used to tell this great story about right. uh, Howard. By how cool they made the night nurse. Oh, I know. Hey, she Al. Can I talk to you for a second? Is it about Daredevil? Because I only talk about Daredevil now. No, it's it's George Lowe. I started hanging out with him a while back. And it was great at first, but now I can't get him to stop telling pointless stories about celebrities I've never heard of. And Rosario Dawson, man, is she great or what? I would love to see that chicken. And I, uh, John Schneider's been on the phone with my mom, and uh, I've, I've had a weird... A weird well, I guess this is my life now. Catherine Fox came in one morning, uh... Dispatch, this is 504. We're in pursuit. Over. Roger, 504. Be advised, perp may be armed. Bonds, I need you to take the wheel. But I don't even have my learner's permit. I don't know what to do. Damn it, Bonds. I didn't ask for a 12-year-old partner, but I have tried to make this work. You've just been sitting there sulking during this entire stakeout, and I haven't said a word. I just want to listen to my music. But, god damn it, boy, we're fighting for our lives here. I need you to... Whoa! Oh, 
Oh, God. Detective Carson, are you okay? Detective? Barnes. Barnes, you have to get the drone. He's, he's our only connection to, to El Padrino. Did you see where that car was headed? East, I think, towards Small Haven? Yep. You're gonna have to go after him. Go to the Small Haven Sheriff's Department. Local law enforcement can't be hostile to big city cops like us, but you have to make them understand. Make sure you take your ID. They, they might have trouble believing a 12-year-old is really a cop otherwise. Really? You don't think my beard makes me look older? <coughs> kid, kid, that... That beard isn't fooling anyone. No! I really thought it made me look like 20 or 21. Well, here it is. The Small Haven Sheriff's Department. A lot of lives depend on this, I guess. <laughs> what the hell was that? Oh, uh, hello. Welcome to Small Haven. Uh, see you've met our sheriff. But, but he's a goose. She has the highest clearance rate of any officer in the history of Small Haven. And her eggs are delicious. We'll return to Puberty Cop meets Sheriff Goose right after this on SVN. <sighs> you don't know what it's like. On one particularly harrowing occasion, I got close enough to see the putrefying flesh dripping off its bones. We thought we were safe, but you're never really safe. Its chain snapped. Instinctively, I reached for my sawed-off shotgun and I put one right between its eyes. It's the only way to be sure. It's... It's the only humane thing to do. On the screen, Hollywood uses state-of-the-art makeup, art, special effects, and catering to portray zombies as an ideal companion. Docile, affectionate, and almost human. But the reality is that most American children are not prepared for the responsibility of zombie ownership. Since the early 2000s, over 7 million undead reanimated Voodoo corpses and meaty ghosts have been adopted by well-meaning but wholly unprepared Americans. Why do I care so much? Well, maybe you recognize me. I'm Jack Leviticus. I gained a small amount of fame some years back when I found a cursed book and summoned a handful of these majestic, misunderstood creatures. And I, like so many others, saw them as a threat. Like many of you, I believed that God gave us dominion over the zombies to kill them, to domesticate them, to keep them as pets. But then, one day, my eyes opened. I realized something that I don't think a lot of people know. Zombies are a metaphor for our lost humanity which is a wholly original idea that I came up with. And now I have taken it upon myself to educate people in this heretofore undiscovered irony. Remember, a zombie is not just for Halloween. 
A zombie is for life. Good nizzle to all y'all. <laughs> oh, don't worry. You're not being carjacked or rolled. I'm just attempting to engage our younger listeners in a period-appropriate dialect. A special shout-out to my 45-year-old son, Devin, for his straight-up, new Jack, transligatilation. Obviously, those four years at Princeton really pay off. I'm really trying to reach out to the millennials out there because we expect a large number of them will be particularly interested in today's spotlight on the history of the duet. Recently, what is believed to be the world's oldest recorded duet was uncovered on a wax polytope, which of course was Nikola Tesla's far superior alternative to Edison's wax cylinder. If only more people knew what a great man Tesla was. My associates were pursuing a lead on Dr. Tesla's universal death ray. That lead, sadly, ended up being a dead end. Uh, But we were able to unlock the secrets of a curious artifact. One which we believe contains the world's first recorded duet. Uh, Sadly, while it is of historical interest, it possesses limited destructive capabilities. Back to the old drawing board, I suppose. Well, let me tell you about my woman. She's a real swinger. I went and got myself a big fat opera singer. I think we all feel more enriched having heard that. With the release of Synesthesia Fats and Francesca Zetfig's four-heard single, other artists of varying girth began sidling up to the musical trough. Apparently, as late as the early 30s, many musicians had trouble comprehending the exact nature of a recorded duet. Let me sing you a little song about a special gal I know from Cincinnati. Now wait just a minute there, fella. I was about to sing a song about a special gal I know from Detroit. That's to you and your old chunk of lead from Detroit. This little ditty's about a real spiffy dish from Cincinnati. Nobody ever got no place good being stuck on a girl from Ohio. I'm afraid your visit to the studio was a trip for biscuits. Now step aside before I rough you up. I'd like to see you try. What have you done? Well, come here, you The success of 1955's Dueling Banjos, later popularized by 1972's feel-good hit Deliverance, led to a number of unconventional non-vocal duets. These days, the ukulele is associated with these wispy young college girls in the Tina Fey glasses. But back in my day, it was a serious instrument for men. The top two strummers in the world were me, Hukilau Dro, and Tubbs Kahuna out of Pittsburgh. Two freeform alto sax players both claiming to be the hippest of the hep cats. Only one way to settle up, you dig. A sax off. <laughs> For me personally, it was nothing to do with music and everything to do with honor. 
My ancestral home had been sullied, slandered even, by some common braggart. Such dastardly libel could only be answered with a duel. As dictated by this most gentlemanly of traditions, I allowed the scallywag first choice of weapon. He chose the tuba. as you can hear in the recording made for some reason in the interest of posterity, but I soon realized that satisfaction was not yet mine. So I bludgeoned it with that blasted tuba. Lights out! Yes, and now I'm in prison for the rest of my life because apparently murder is a crime. That brings us to the 1970s and 2007's Webby Lifetime Achievement Award winner, David Bowie. So I'm at the top of my game, right? I kicked cocaine in 78. And all I could think about was that Christmas song I did with Bing Crosby. And it got me thinking. Outside of wife-beating crooners, who's on my level, vocally speaking? If I wanted to do another duet, who would be up to the challenge? Then, as if in response to my unspoken question, a strong electrical discharge knocked me on my arse. When I got to my feet, there he was. Me. So I'd mastered all of known space by 1980. And naturally, the next step in his progression was Master of Time. I won't bore you with the complex quantum calculations involved, but long story short, by 2015 I had built a working time machine. And my first mission was the fulfilment of a half-remembered dream I'd had all those years ago. We're going to have sex with each other now, aren't we? Wouldn't be the first time, lad. I called Top. In the future... We'll be in space In 2015 there's no moon base Mankind's destiny is in the stars There's no rockets, lad, there's only cars We'll brew with aliens in the Milky Way Sorry lad, that dream is not alive today Well future me, you are very inspired by this portrait of the future you're painting Yes, it's all a bit dispiriting, isn't it? Only one thing for it Dancy, 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 dancy Dancy, 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 like you dancy Who's you dancy? You'll find out Well-known country music artist Johnny Cash won acclaim for his 2002 cover of factory musician Trent Nail's song Hurt But few people realized there was a B-side to that recording cut around the same time We're going to take you out now with that delightfully playful melody. And be sure to download our This American Tragedy podcast, Real Life Murder. It's fun when it's not happening to you. I'm told that thanks to us, podcasts are cool again. Yeah! So we laid down the tracks for Hurt in late 2001. I was anxious to meet Trent because I sensed in him a kindred spirit. Another outsider... Who had known the pain of loss. I signed the paperwork for Mr. Cash to do Hurt, and I figured that would be the last of it. So imagine my surprise when he showed up at my loft. I might have known something was amiss 
when he greeted me at the door, wearing an apron, oven mitts, and holding a tray of freshly baked snickerdoodles. This was the man who wrote Hurt? Obviously, I was thrilled to have a living legend in my home, and there was only one way I could think of to show my respect for him and his body of work. Well, I knew that snake was my own sweet dad from a worn-out picture that my mother had. I knew that scar on his cheek and his evil eye. Well, he was big and bent and gray and old. I looked at him and my blood ran cold. I said, What do you know about Tordovia? Is it our smoking salmon? Our rolling chives milked fresh from bees? Our barrel of fish? Or the gristle hand-rolled by grandma out on a Sundays? Tordovia is all of these things. And none of them. Mostly none of thems. This great lamb's lake is filled to the bristle with discotheques, discotheques, Disco ducks, disco ducks, and a smattering of local jam which we call Huspa. I used to visit Huspa and Gudo every spreck and spurt, until Huspa caught a dose of the clap. Clap on! Clap off! Okay. And here comes the secret ingredient! Mayonnaise! But this isn't your average mayo. Chef Billy's comes from a plastic 10-gallon tub with a picture of an Indian on it. Now, I love mayonnaise, but I've never seen anything quite like this. Basically, they find it's more cost-effective that way. What? Tordovia. Definitely... an option? Thank you very much, everyone. That's been our show. Are we still taking questions from the audience? Well, since nobody's apparently writing to us anymore, I suppose we are. Unless... What? We could just answer one of these questions for our wildly successful comedy Star Trek review podcast, The Post-Atomic Horror. Well, that's sure to be relatable to the broad audience you're trying to attract to this show. Great, let's see what we have here. This one's about Bashir and Garrick. This one... Is also about Bashir and Garrick. This one's about Bashir, Garrick, and O'Brien. And this is a fan letter to Garrick. From my wife. I addressed that to Garrick. So she did. You're not Garrick. I know. I'm sorry I'm not. I think we're veering away from relatable here. Nobody needs to hear about your marital issues. They're only issues if you address them, Matt. And speaking of addressing things, if you want to write to us, you can address your emails to sarcasticvoyage at gmail. Still a master of the segue, aren't you? I'm famous for it. Safe journeys, everyone! See if, oh, right, never mind. This episode of the Sarcastic Voyage podcast starred Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham with Duncan Bosco, Mark Bosco, Dave Fields, Nathan Lajeunesse, Caitlin Obum, Joseph Ravenson, Amanda Smith, Sabrina Snyder, and Jason Wallace. It was written by Ron Algar-Watt with Matt Robotham, Duncan Bosco, and Amanda Smith. Original musical compositions by Joseph Ravenson. It was produced by Algar Productions, copyright 2015.
the one that has William Hopper in it. Come on, come on. Is it the giant tarantula thing? Thank God that worked. I don't know if I could have handled much more. Bob, what are you still doing here? Your stuff ended three sketches ago. Hey, what's under the blanket? Don't, don't touch that. Man, I finally put him down for the night. Did you drop a blanket over him? Well, yeah. I figured if it works for birds. You know you could just switch him off, right? These guys had a truck with four 250-gallon tanks, and they were literally sucking the grease out of the roof. Wait, he was just a robot? A George Lobot, yes. What, did you think I brought the real George Lowe up here every three weeks just to say our names exactly the same way? Yeah, because constructing a lifelike robot to do that instead makes a lot more sense. Wait, did you 3D print this blanket? Yeah. But there was a regular blanket sitting right there on the couch. You're not the only one with standards, Al. 